Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and you are listening to Your Daily Drive. You can listen to the Your Daily Drive podcast, or you can read them. The Your Daily Drive podcast is the podcast where I put our articles in audio format. And so you have both options, either or, or both. You can read this podcast, you can listen to it on the go, and as always, we ask that you share our podcast with 1,000 of your closest friends. If you enjoy this podcast, please do this for me. Share it with someone else. However you share things, texting, email, social media platform like Facebook, Say, hey, I want you to listen or read this. It encouraged me, helped me, convicted me. I would love to talk to you about it. Give it a read. I'll get back in touch with you in a day or so, and we can we can chat about it. That would be fantastic. Also, if you like our podcast, go on the platform that you listen to our podcast, like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and write a review about the podcast. That's how it works in social media. The, the more reviews you have, the more likely they will push it up in the rankings, and that will expose our podcast to more people. Everybody can't support our ministry financially, and I understand that, but you can support us by sharing our content, writing reviews, whether it's a podcast or one of our books on Amazon, wherever you can write a review. Please do that for us. Let me ask you a question to get into this podcast. What do McDonald's, Walmart, your local high school, or maybe Christian school, what does any back alley, what does your church facility have in common? Now, I suppose you could list several things to answer that question. There are probably several ways to go at it. But how about this? Whether you're at McDonald's, Walmart, local high school, Christian school, any back alley, or your church facility, you can make out romantically with someone. You can smoke weed in any of these contexts. A friend of mine said that, hey, I want you to read this article by Rick Thomas. It's a provocative title, uh, but I think that if you would get into it for a few minutes, it will help you. Well, let me give you that provocative title. The Upside of Smoking Weed and Making Out at Church. Now, I do want you to listen at least for a few minutes before you turn the podcast off. I had a teenager I was meeting with a teenager a number of years ago, and he began to become very transparent about his life, his struggles, the dysfunction going on in his own heart and also within his family. Part of that conversation, he said that he smoked weed and made out in the parking lot of his church at the church facility, at the church building. And I appreciate him sharing that with me. I appreciate the fact that he wanted to open up and be honest with me. And it just struck me as not odd, but it struck me as a reality that we need to get our minds around. And again, I want to talk about this idea in the podcast. It doesn't matter where you are, whether it's McDonald's, Walmart, high school, Christian school, back alley, or a church facility, you can sin anywhere. 
And we want to be careful that we don't draw hard lines between the sacred and the secular as though that really exists. And we want to make sure that especially when people are coming to us, that we engage them appropriately and properly. And that's why I want you to listen to this podcast. I hope that it will benefit you. The title was not meant to be provocative for provocative sake, but I want us to have a clearer reality of what the body of Christ is. That's the church. And what a church building is. It's just a facility. I want to get into that in just a moment, but I also want to thank a couple of people for becoming supporting members of our ministries in a specific way. Linda and Matthew in the last few days have come on, not just as supporters of our ministry, but as mastermind students. They are two of our newest students, and it's going to be a joy to serve them over the next few years as they go through our all online distance education program. That's really the heart of this ministry, the development of leaders, taking Christians and helping them to become better disciple makers. It's at the heart of everything that we do, helping Christians to become better Christians. And what I would like for you to consider, everyone can't be a mastermind student, but you can help us as we help people like Linda and Matthew as they grow in this intense discipleship program. Biblical counseling program is what some people would call it, and that's fine. But you can help us to help them. Did you know that every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? Some of them are directly real-time, like Matthew and Linda. Others are those who receive our content globally. This year we will reach over one million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ, and we do that through various means. We can provide them with practical tools, we can provide them with ongoing training through our written resources, our audio broadcasts like this podcast, equipping videos, interactive forums that are something's going on them every day as we're connecting with people around the world. The Lord is impacting lives through this ministry. Here's my question for you. Will you partner with us to help us continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You may donate or you may become a supporting member of our community. If you don't want to be a supporting member, you can make a donation one time or on a recurring basis. For as little as $5 each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. If you are a local church, will you support our missional endeavors around the world? Whatever you can give to help this ministry will change many lives. And again, as I said earlier, for those of you who can't support, I understand that. Uh, sometimes it's just not possible, and that's fine. Would you write a review? Would you share our resources? Whatever you can do to help us to get this, these valuable uh, resources out uh, to the world. Linda, Matthew, thank you so much for becoming Mastermind students. Now, what I asked earlier is what does what do McDonald's, Walmart, high school, Christian school, back alley, and your church facility have in common? I said that there are many ways to answer that question, and 
one of the ways is that you can make out romantically and you can smoke weed in any of those contexts. And you may ask, smoking weed at church? Or maybe someone would say, do kids make out at the parking lot at church? Well, the answer to that question, sadly, regrettably, is yes. And they do it more than you may think. Now, I'm not making a case for this kind of activity. That's not what's going on here. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not suggesting that anyone do these things. But see, our ministry, the way I say it sometimes is is we live on the underside of Christianity, the underbelly of Christianity, that place where most Christians don't go, don't live. They live on the top side with the nice clothes and the smiling faces and and God is good and God is great and that is appropriate and that should be part of our Christian experience but everything is not that lovely the truth is that I have counseled scores of teens many of whom have told me how and where they chose to sin and two of the more common places are their Christian schools and their local church buildings Now, regrettably, these transparent admissions are not a surprise to me. Did you know my early church-going experience was merely an opportunity to find pot from the deacon's children? My parents, primarily my mother, made us, quote, go to church, end quote, as children, and we did that from zero to 12 years of age. We weren't regenerate. We didn't care anything about God. But it became a context for doing whatever it is that we did outside of Sunday morning between 10 and 12. It was just another context to do the same old things. Now, I'm not signaling out the deacons in our Baptist church back home. I'm not singling out any other church leader. It just happens to be that the deacon's children at my church had good weed, and that's where we got it, and that's where we smoked it. Of course, many other kids had good weed too, but your local church is not a a sin-free zone. And that's important for all of us to remember. It's no more sin-free than your local McDonald's or your Walmart. Sin doesn't care about context. It only cares about captivating the souls of men and women. Should we be surprised if the enemy invades our places of worship to do their dirty work? Any good tactician would want to penetrate their adversary's territory to weaken their defenses. And what better place to go than the church facility on Sunday morning particularly? Now the truth is, your church facility is just that. It's a building. You see, part of the deception happens when we use sentimental or traditional language to talk about the local church building. This misunderstanding can create a disconnect from sound theology. For example, we like the word sanctuary as a label for where we assemble to worship the Lord. My wife will say, Lucia will say that. You know, where where are kids? Where they're in the sanctuary. That is part of her traditional historical training. Now, It's not a wrong word as long as we understand that in the most technical theological sense, the sanctuary 
is just an auditorium. The meeting place does not make you more spiritual or any closer to God. It is merely a room where people come to worship. It is also a place where some married couples have their biggest fights. Even children have been known to manipulate their parents in the sanctuary. These parents spend the entire morning service in the sanctuary, nervous and frustrated because of the child's misbehavior. Rather than focusing on Jesus, the parents are more concerned about how others are perceiving them or perceiving their unruly children. Have you ever sinned in the sanctuary? I have. Lucia and I have had more than a few arguments in the place where we worship the Lord. Agitated and unreconciled, we endure Sunday morning until we can get home to finish our arguing. You see, we can sin in the church building, in McDonald's, in Walmart, and in our home. Another title we give the church building is the word church. We, we say we are going to church. Now, technically speaking, we are going to the church's building, the meeting place where the church gathers to do religious activities. The building is not sacred. Theologically speaking, it's not the sanctuary. It would be easier for us to understand this if we met in a place like the American Legion Hall. I had this experience in Queens, New York. It was in 1989, I believe. Or what about Joe's Ham House in Scottsdale, Arizona? A few years ago, we planted a church, and our first meeting place was a dance studio, and that dance studio served us well. And when Lucia and I passed the dance studio during the week as we were going down the road, I would comment how we also met there as a local church. It was a multifunctional building. I suppose you could make out in a dance studio. Probably somebody has. I don't know. I know you could get drunk in an American Legion Hall. This concept reminds me of that time during the late 80s when we had the joy of serving friends in Queens, New York, Shortly upon arriving at the American Legion Hall on a particular Sunday morning, I'll never forget it, that first Sunday morning, we began straightening up the place before the, quote, church, end quote, gathered. The smell of vomit and alcohol from the festivities the previous evening were still wafting through the air. I was saddened by the depravity of the Saturday night crowd and the Saturday night activities, but we understood what was up, and it did not dis diminish our worship at all. It had no effect on our worship as a church in that building, the American, the American Legion Hall. The local church building is similar to any other context where folks may choose to sin, whether it's smoking pot, making out, or arguing with your spouse, as Lucia and I did. There's no place on earth where people cannot sin. And so the best thing we can do is to become more theologically honest and precise about how we think about ourselves and what we do, which we can do in two ways. Here are two things that I want you to consider, and it will help you, I promise you. Number one, reaffirm 
The people are the church, not the building. And number two, determine to be transparent about your life. Let's take this first one first. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. We are the church, not the building where we meet. This idea is more than a minor point of theology. This is not hair splitting. I'm not doing that. If you believe you are going to church rather than being the church, you can easily divide your life into a dichotomy. Going to church is a singular event. I said earlier that we went to church between 10 and 12 on on Sunday morning. And if that is church, if that is what the church is about, then you can divide your life into two parts, into a dichotomy. Being the church is an ever-present, unending experience. If going to church becomes more prominent in your thinking, it would not be a stretch to think you're supposed to be more holy at church. I mean, this is part of why we have church clothes and we have churchy way of thinking about things. Is there a place where we should be more holy? Maybe you can ask the question in reverse. Is there a place where we should be less holy? Holiness is an expectation from the Lord with an ever-reaching call. The context for pursuing holiness does not matter. Just do it all of the time. Between 10 and 12 on Sunday and the other 166 hours during your week. The church building is a special place where we baptize our children and God is engaged and, and many other things as well. Some of the most critical moments of our lives happen at our church facilities. Still, yet, it is just a place. Let me share this text with you from 2 Kings 18 4 about the serpent in the wilderness, which comes from Numbers 21 8. But here's 2 Kings 18 4. It goes like this He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Neshuthan. When the good king Hezekiah began to reign, that's who we're talking about here, one of the first things he did was destroy the brass serpent. This idol was the serpent the Lord told Moses to make for, the, uh, for sparing of the sinning Israelites from death. And again, that's Numbers 21.8. The serpent had become an idol to worship rather than a means to experience the Lord. Hezekiah knew this. And so because this idea of the serpent had transitioned in the minds of the people, Hezekiah said, we need to destroy this thing. The thing the Lord used to help the people get to him became an object of worship. A pole became the thing rather than the Lord. This brass serpent was a picture of the Christ to come. But it was not the Christ. It was just a picture of the Christ to come. The people had forgotten the purpose of the serpent and elevated it to a position that distracted them from what the Lord had called them to do. 
The Jews who became believers had a similar problem in 1 Corinthians 8. You remember this text of scripture about those who would not, these new converts would not eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And they did that because they placed a wrong-headed spiritual significance on the meat. Our local church facilities are nothing more than context for us to grow closer to the Lord. While they can hold a sentimental place in our hearts as you drive by your old white frame church building where you worshiped God as a child, and it, it can have wonderful sentimental content for you, and it should, but these contexts are disposable. They should never be overly elevated to something that the Lord does not attend intent. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul's asking, Do you know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? In 1 John 4.12, John said, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The actual sanctuary is in us currently. We are the church where the holy and living God dwells. This theological truth is not only powerful and liberating, but it is exciting. We are released to be holy in every moment and context of our lives. We are not called to create multi-tiered context where there is a requirement for more holiness because of the venue I am to be just as holy in the bedroom as the boardroom, and the opposite is also true. And the temptation to sin can come at any time or at any place. And that's why I led this podcast by saying, what do McDonald's, Walmart, high school, Christian school, back alley, and your church facility have in common? There are two things that... I would love for us to to think about. The one I have been interacting with is reaffirm the people are the church, not the building. Now let's get to number two. Determine to be transparent about your life. The better we understand who the church is, the body of Christ, you, if you have been regenerated by God, and me, the less we will be surprised with where the church is tempted to sin. Context doesn't matter. We can sin anywhere. This news should compel us to speak more freely about how we struggle. We don't want to dichotomize our life and pretend that one area is more holy and another is less holy, and and we can be more transparent here, less transparent there, more real here, less real there. I praise God when a teen tells me he got weed at the church building. Now, I am sad. Don't send me that email. I am sad, even though I can rejoice. What I'm rejoicing about, not that he's smoking marijuana. I don't rejoice with anyone who's smoking marijuana. But what I'm rejoicing about is that he would say to me where he smoked weed. He would be transparent. That's the point. The thing that I'm praising God for are his honesty, his trust in me, his desire to talk about where and how he struggles 
I mean, think about if he hadn't shared with me. Think about if I did not know. Think about if you did not know where those closest to you were, were sinning. Wouldn't it be great if someone who is part of your local church approached you this coming Sunday morning to share how he had been sinning against his wife and ask for your help? How is that different from the teen who gets his weed at church and tells me about it? If the husband did tell me about his problems, he would have two things in common with the pot-smoking teen. He would be, one, acknowledging his capacity to sin, and two, he would be seeking help to change. How cool would that be? That's exactly what the teenager was doing It's not what he told me, but it's this underlying story here. He acknowledged his capacity to sin, and two, he was seeking help to change. It doesn't matter what the sin is. Are you doing these two things? Oh, I don't smoke weed at church. I don't make out in the church parking lot, etc. Well, how do you sin? Are you acknowledging your capacity to do evil? Are you seeking help to change? If our first response is, what? You smoke weed at church? How could you? That is not how you want to start a conversation with any struggling and transparent person. How about if you said this? That makes sense. I'm certainly not surprised by what you told me. Shoot, I smoked weed when I was a teen. The cool thing is that you're telling me. I appreciate your willingness to be honest and open about some of the things that you have been doing. And from that point, you could quickly move toward a redemptive plan for the teenager. And if that husband came in and and told you that he was sinning, you know what you could do? You could quickly move on toward the point of helping that individual, which is far better than being surprised or angry or alienating the person because of what they said. Teens smoke weed. Teens make out with other teens. Don't discriminate where and when they do these things. In an immature and twisted way, they they may have a better view of what the church building is than some Christians. Think about that. It's just a place where people live out who they are. I long for the church building to be that context where people can come together and live out who they are like they are the rest of the week. It is a hospital. In fact, if you use the hospital analogy, it may help you. You don't want to go to the hospital and pretend that you're not hurting when you really are. To be honest and transparent on Sunday morning or any other time, the church congregates could be the beginning of a revival. The key here is not so much about what you do or where you do what you do, but are you honest about what you do? I've had many teens tell me how they have smoked weed, popped pills, and made out at their local church property. I do praise God that they had enough trust and forthrightness to tell me what was going on in their lives. Truth-telling is a good start for any relationship. Their honesty and transparency motivates me to emulate them. Who wants to pretend things are okay when they are not? 
These kids sit in my office. None of them brag about what they have done. That's not what we're talking about here. They just speak matter-of-factly, and they're seeking to help change. They're seeking me to help them to change. This opportunity is a remarkable turn of events in their lives. It's not the finish line, but it is the starting line. The first step in the change process is to reveal the whole truth about who you are and what you have done. Let me ask, how about you? The real question you have to answer is this. Do you sin at church? Of course you do. I do too. As I've said, Lucia and I have gotten into some of our more memorable arguments on the way to the church building. As we pulled into the church parking lot, we put on our church faces while wearing our church clothes, mustering up our church attitude so we could walk into our church building to do church with our friends. Do you see anything wrong with this picture? You can do what I've just described at any time in any place in the world. Your local church building does not insulate you from sin or prevent you from sinning, regardless of the type of sin it may be. My teen friends have been smoking weed and making out at their church, local church buildings. What have you done on your church property? How do you need to change? If you want to read this podcast, you can do that. The title of it is Upside to Smoking Weed and Making Out at the Church. If you would like to chat about it, please let me know. It would be a joy to serve you on our public, free public community forums. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.